0: One decade ago, the Seahawks had the best draft class in franchise history come in and instantly transform them into a contender in the NFC. Could the 2022 draft class have the same impact? Nick Lee and I are going to be examining now one week into their respective careers early in training camp here on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks.
1: You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Thursday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. Thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks are actually off today after three consecutive days with training camp practices, a super physical practice yesterday, so a much-deserved day off for the Seahawks. They'll be back in action on Friday, and they've got their first mock scrimmage coming up at Lumen Field on Saturday. For today's episode, we got tons to chat about this rookie class. A lot of expectations for this group, and so far, so good for this group. Where do they stand compared to the 2012 group? We're going to be discussing that. Plus, where the cornerback competition stands one week into camp. And we're going to be taking a look at some other observations from Wednesday's practice away from the trenches and the run game. Plenty of other things happening on the field at the VMAC. So let's get to it. Now, for our lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. One decade ago, the Seahawks drafted players such as Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, J.R. Sweezy, the most decorated draft class in franchise history. A number of those players came in right away were starters became stars, and the Seahawks made the postseason, nearly got to the NFC Championship game, and really set the table for them to win the Super Bowl the following year, nearly do it again in 2014, That's a pretty lofty bar to set for any draft class to be compared to that one. And obviously, without a quarterback in this class like Russell Wilson, maybe it's not fair to compare that 2022 draft class that's just coming into the league to the 2012 group. And yet, Nick, it feels like in the early stages of training camp that this draft class does have a lot of similarities to that 2012 group in the sense that you have a number of players that are already staking a claim to playing a lot of snaps early.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's fair to look back, you know, 10 years ago now that this class and, and that franchise, the Seahawks in the early 2010s were, were in a, a team of transition. And, you know, from the, from the Matt Hasselbeck era and now to, to the Russell Wilson era. But yes, as you mentioned, that class, the 2022 class is missing, you know, a quarterback. That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, you know, the Russell Wilson, uh, obviously, best quarterback in franchise history, future Hall of Famer. Um, so that, that's hard to replace. And, but I think you make a good point as far as some of the impact players around, and, and not just maybe the individual players, but the kind of the era that that class ushered in uh, as, as a team. you know, The 2012 Seahawks were extremely competitive, and may, many people kind of tabbed them as a, a, a team that arrived a year early, that, that this team was playing with some young guys that really panned out and, and we're competitive early. So now I'm not, I'm not saying the Seahawks are, you know, we're going to, are going to make the division divisional round this year, um, with this, with this draft class, but the amount of impact, especially early that guys, especially guys like Charles Cross, who probably will be starter day one. I mean, he's going to get, he's going to get, uh, when I look at pro football reference, you know, he's going to get that 17 games played 17 starts. (laughs) I think Charles Cross is, is are on that list of a possibility, um, to get that. So, um, obviously if you get your franchise, you know, <laughs> left tackle, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, another one that I, I, could see, um, Ken Walker, you know, that Robert Turbin where he's, he's not the guy right now. Um, you know, in, in Rashad Penny, he isn't quite Marshawn Lynch yet. Um, but he's, but you draft a guy that that's a solid running back and Robert Turbin had 354 rushing yards that, that first year, I actually expect Ken Walker to, to absolutely exceed that in his rookie year with. I absolutely think that Rashawn Penny and him were going to be a legit 202 headed monster. Then you got Boye Mafe. You know, is he a type of Bruce Irvin? You know, that's that's kind of uh, that that'll be tough to see early on. But I, that are t- some tough shoes to fill. Um, but yeah, you can definitely see. And I, I think especially on the defensive side with Boye Mafe and Kobe Bryant and Tariq Wall in the cornerbacks. But I think on them on that side for sure, you can absolutely see the. The seeds have been planted, and they're starting to bloom just a little bit. They're, they're starting to poke their heads out of the dirt, and they're really going to start blooming here as as they get more opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think you look at those first three draft picks. Cross is already the starter at left tackle. That has been set in stone. He is the guy. Number nine overall pick. You're starting day one. There's not a competition there, whether Pete Carroll is going to admit that or not. There is not a competition. He is going to be the guy in week one. He's going to be playing against Bradley Chubb and the Broncos. That is already set in stone. Ken Walker III is going to play a lot of snaps, no matter what happens with Rashad Penny. He has already been dynamic in training camp. You can see the receiving ability that wasn't on display in college because Michigan State just didn't let him do it. Wake Forest didn't let him do it. He was running the rock, and he's pretty darn good at that. But he can also catch the football. You can move him around some. maffey has been kind of quiet to start training camp, but he did have a what I believe would have been a sack in Wednesday's practice. Remember, they're not hitting the quarterbacks with the red jerseys on, but he had a really good pass rush against Abraham Lucas, their third-round pick, who to this point has just been playing second-team snaps at right tackle. I expect that's going to change soon as well. He's going to get his opportunity to show, can I be a starter on day one? And if he's able to play well with that first unit, could make life really interesting for Jake Curhan. To this point, it has been the Kurhan show. He has been the starter with the first-team offense in four of the six practices at right tackle. One of those other ones, he was the starting right guard on Wednesday. So Curhan has been a fixture in this offensive line. But all of those four players could be playing significant snaps in week one. And then we get to day three selections. Kobe Bryant is right there with Artie Burns, and we're going to get to more of that in the second quarter. But he is right in the mix at the cornerback competition to start Right away, Tariq Woolen has been a major surprise and has really been up for whatever challenge has been thrown at him so far. Doesn't look as raw as we anticipated. So both of those guys, they might play some snaps for you earlier than expected, at least in the case of Woolen, Bryant might be a bit more pro-ready coming in, but both those guys have had really good starts to their training camp. Tyreek Smith is impressed in his first few practices since coming off the pup list. He's got good size for that outside linebacker spot. And we haven't even gotten to the receivers where Derek Young has done some nice things. Bo Melton had a big play, finally came through on Wednesday, showed off his speed, his, his deep threat ability. So every single guy that I just listed off, you can make an argument at least early in the season at some point is going to be playing substantial special team snaps. I mean, the roster has been set up for these guys to play a lot. That's part of it. It is ushering in a new era. There's more opportunities than there's been in a long time. But also, the Seahawks should be feeling pretty good. Their front office should be feeling pretty darn good already about what they have there. We'll see in a few weeks where things stand. Sometimes rookies hit a wall midway through training camp and they start to struggle. But this is a group that, from top to bottom, looks very promising. And they're living up to the expectations so far. Everybody was excited within the organization after the draft of what they brought in. And so far, those expectations have been met and then some by what looks to be a draft class that could be franchise changing.
1: Yeah. I think the 2012 class and that 2012 season kind of acted like, you know, the jumper cables that just jumpstart the car and get the, and get the engine rolling forward towards, and obviously they they had some really good draft classes before 2012, but that season especially um, is what kind of jumpstarted the new era of Seahawks football. And this class can absolutely act like those jumper cables that are sticking on that battery. That's, kind of starting to die a little bit with you know the departure of Russell Wilson and some some uncertainty there um, in the in the future and with a tough division and can really just jolt this team um, with with some instant you know instant starter left tackle and, and just some impact players early on that would be a huge shot in the arm for this team moving forward.
0: Yeah, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. That's the big key right now. Neither one of us here, locked on listeners, neither one of us are saying that this is the 2012 draft class yet but they could have a similar impact and there have certainly been signs on the field that this group is going to have a number of players that are going to be able to play and make a difference right away that bodes well for the present and it really bodes well for the future of the franchise we're only a week into training camp so there's plenty more practices for us to watch and see where everybody's going to fit in but so far the returns have been pretty good and That's a great sign for the Seahawks as they try to kickstart this new era moving on from Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and trying to get back into being a competitive unit heading into the future. Up next, we already talked about Tariq Woolen as well as Kobe Bryant, where they might fit into that quarterback competition, but you've got as many as six players that are in the mix for a starting job there. So Nick and I are going to take a look at what's happened so far in training camp who the perceived starters are, what might need to be done for other players to jump into the lineup, and much more in our latest
1: breakdown of the quarterback position. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built Bar has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorites, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to builtbar.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. Like all Built Bars, The new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% chocolate. That means they are healthy and tasty. Chocolate covered cookie dough with a light fluffy texture. So, so good. What's great about Bilt is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Bilt is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCKED15. You're listening to the Locked on
0: Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks have a number of camp battles taking place. We know the quarterback situation, Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. Even though I don't know there's necessarily been a competition yet to this point, it looks like Drew Locke is starting to make some headway in that competition. Right tackle, you've got three players duking it out for that starting job. There's an interesting battle developing on the defensive line for reps, trying to get into the rotation with pass rushers and interior linemen but Nick, I don't know that there is a more fascinating and more intriguing roster battle for the Seahawks right now than cornerback. And I've mentioned it a few times on recent episodes, it's such a different feel than it was this time last year where you had a lot of new faces, but a number of them were on one-year contracts. There wasn't a lot of guys that were here that were under contract for more than a, a couple of years. And So there were a lot of question marks about that cornerback position. Then Akella Witherspoon gets traded midway through camp before he ever plays a game for the Seahawks. And they had some injuries. They traded for Sidney Jones. I mean, they were basically reshuffling the deck at the end of August, early September. It was not an ideal situation for them. Trey Flowers ended up back in the starting lineup by default, not necessarily earning that position. And here we are a year later. And it's really a 180-degree difference. You've got three players that you've drafted in the last two years. Two of them are healthy right now. Incoming rookies, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant. Sidney Jones played outstanding football late last season. And Artie Burns has been a revelation. He's built off that strong finish in Chicago last year playing for Sean Desai. He's back with Desai here in the Pacific Northwest, and he's had a great camp so far. Michael Jackson's looked pretty good out there. Had an interception in Wednesday's practice on Drew Locke. So you've really got six guys there at the outside cornerback position. Jackson may be being on the outside looking in, but you've got five or six players. When Trey Brown gets back, of course, that all could easily stake a claim for playing in the starting lineup on Sundays for the Seahawks. And the number of those guys are under contract for multiple seasons. So it's light and day compared to a year ago.
1: And when you say that, you know, there's there's open competition pretty much for two starting spots or a starting spot, um, there's two ways to really look at that. There's um, you know, no one's really shown yet and no one's, no one's really the guy because um, maybe it, no one's become, you know, a, an impact player. And they're just kind of trying to shuffle through who, who's gonna be that guy. Or you have so many guys that could be the guy you just can't pick yet. And I think one situation might describe the quarterback situation. And one the the latter I, I chose will be the cornerback situation because I truly think that you plug in two or three, four of those guys week one. I'm feeling pretty good. I I could sleep pretty well at night, knowing that you know the Artie Burns. Um, you know, Sidney Jones or even Kobe Bryant of Tariq Woolen. If, if they're pressing to duty right now, they've shown that they belong. Um, and uh, you, you mentioned that Tariq woolen has been a surprise. He's been matching up with you know, Marquise Goodwin, who's not uh, also not short on size and speed, especially the speed part. And Tariq Woolen has matched him almost step for step the entire way. And and just looking at battles with, you know, Artie Burns is not backed down to competition with DK Metcalf. And Sidney Jones with Tyler Lockett, and they've they've made life pretty miserable for the offense. We're, we'll talk about this later, but and I, that could you know we'll talk about whose fault that is really. Um, but for for now, it's the cornerbacks have really risen to the occasion, and this is truly a fierce competition for two spots. It's not just because no one has stepped up and no one is the guy and, and no one is quite separated from himself as good enough to be the starter. I really think it's because. There are so many quality options right now at cornerback for the Seahawks that it's really going to take the probably the duration of the preseason to really fine tune the lineup and and figure out who's going to be the starters. I think Sidney Jones and Artie Burns have the inside track right now for the outside corner spots, Um, but they better be looking over the shoulder and they better be working hard because it can be taken in an instant just with how fierce competition has been.
0: I'd be remiss not to mention Sidney Jones first, because I'll admit, we've talked a ton about Kobe Bryant. We've talked a ton about Tariq Woolen. We talked a lot on an earlier episode this week about Artie Burns, and there's plenty more to say about those players. They have all been impressive in training camp. But Sidney Jones has kind of been under the radar, and I don't know if it's just because he came in as your de facto number one corner. He played really well the last five or six games last season. You re-signed him. He's a former second-round pick that really had first-round talent. If he wouldn't have injured his Achilles, he would have been picked in the first round. And injuries were an issue for him early in his career. But all he has done day in, day out is make plays. First practice in training camp, he intercepted Geno Smith on a deflection off of Marquise Goodwin's hands. It would have been a pick six in a game situation. Then the next practice goes out and gets a couple end-zone deflections. Saturday's practice made a couple plays in the football. Wednesday was his most impressive practice yet. He got his hands on a football, not once, not twice, not three times, but four pass breakups in the secondary and just consistently making big plays. He's been able to match up against bigger receivers. He's been able to match up against quick shifty receivers. So he really fits what they're wanting to do. And he's playing with confidence. And I don't know that that was there for him when the Seahawks traded for him because of the injuries and the way things went in Philadelphia for him and in Jacksonville. He really found himself in the second half last season. He gave up the fourth lowest passer rating among qualified corners the last six games of the season, Nick. No touchdowns during that span. The only thing that was missing was turnovers. And this guy is capable of getting a bunch of interceptions. He has shown that in the past. It just hasn't happened in the NFL, so that's the one missing ingredient, but he's been getting his hands on the football so much, so right now, to me, he is easily the front runner to start on the left side. They have Kobe Bryant working behind him, but Bryant has worked some on the right side too, and I think that's where things are going to get a lot more interesting the next few days on the field, because... Brian has done so much to show that he's ready. And yet Sidney Jones hasn't relented that starting job. He's played fantastic football in his own right. And you got Artie Burns playing well on the right side and Sean Desai knows him well. It's a great scheme fit for him. He's not going to back down from DK Metcalf. I mean, This is a good problem to have. It's not like last year where it's like, i got to pick somebody from this group. Right now, it's who do I pick from this group because I've got so many good corners and they're all fairly young. I mean, Artie Burns is the old guy at 28. This is a young, explosive, athletic group that's been getting their hands on the football a lot. And right now, it does look like the veterans have the head up here with Sidney Jones and Artie Burns. But the rookies have been so impressive. You cannot... Discount them in this race with so much time left in camp
1: and the preseason still coming up. Quite frankly, Corbin, choosing between quarterbacks right now kind of kind of feels like me choosing my favorite vegetable, which shockingly I do not like vegetables. Um, and <laughs> choosing my favorite cornerbacks right now or choosing cornerbacks to play—it's like choosing my favorite popsicle, choosing my favorite ice cream. I'm like, it, it's that there are so many good flavors and they're all a little different, which is great. They all bring something a little different to the table. And I think that, you know, the the Sidney Jones and Artie Burns with the veteran presence uh, part of it is, is invaluable and the familiarity with the coaching staff that blends with the infusion of young talent with Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. Really um, this, this, this is an exciting group. And I think that the Seahawks fans, even though, you know, there's not too clear dog, you know, pro bowl kind of receiver uh, corners right now in that spot, I think that it, it's coming And this is going to be a surprising group. And uh, I I think the pass defense overall is set to improve a lot this season. And this, this secondary is going to surprise some folks.
0: Yeah, I think if they can carry over the play they've had here these first six practices into the preseason games and in the regular season, the Seahawks should be feeling pretty darn good about their situation in the secondary, especially when you consider the safety talent that they have, with Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Ryan Neal. Josh Jones, Ugo Amadi, Marquise Blair, you've got Justin Coleman in the slot as well. They should be feeling really good about this secondary. The question mark is, of course, going to be whether or not that they're going to be able to translate that play over. And I will add this in here, and this is the reason I brought that up. This was totally expected, but Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen did get some first-team reps on Wednesday And both of them got picked on a little bit, particularly Bryant. He gave up three receptions and coverage of Tyler Lockett in the final third down situational drill. Lockett was showing him the ropes a little bit. Hey, welcome to the league rookie. Here's the thing. Tyler Lockett does that to pretty much everybody that tries to cover him. So there's no shame in that. I am curious to see how Kobe Bryant responds from that on Friday. Is he going to come back out and, try to adjust a little bit going against Tyler Lockett. Is he even going to get first team reps? Because Artie Burns will probably be back at that point after having a veteran rest day on Wednesday. I want to see how he adapts to that. And Tariq Woolen, he was all over DK Metcalf on a deep ball thrown from Geno Smith. And he kind of learned the hard way that sometimes you can be in great position against DK Metcalf. And it just doesn't matter because of how much of a freak athlete he is. High point of the football, gets both, both feet down in bounds. Woolen did everything right, and yet he still got beat on that play. So I was encouraged by what I saw from him against Metcalf. He's played him tough for the last couple of practices. Bryant has been so good that, you know, yeah, he gave us some receptions to Tyler Lockett. But again, Tyler Lockett does that to everybody. So that's the key. Can you respond to that adversity and come out and get better from that? Or is it going to be something that dogs you down? You're hoping that Bryant rebounds and he's ready for his next test against Tyler Lockett to see if he can make some plays in the football.
1: And everything based on I've read about Kobe Bryant, it's going to be him coming out um, motivated and trying, trying to, you know, build off that. Um, just I, everything I've read about his mental makeup has been impressive. And I, I'm expecting that to, to manifest itself on the field. But yeah, DK Metcalf's done that to Patrick Peterson So at times Jalen Ramsey, even though Ramsey has decent numbers against him. I mean, every, every, every corner in the league um, has a, uh, a little bit of a, a dk metcalf highlight film on them, so i don't think there's any shame in that but um i i think it's good for him you know it's good to fail you know in, in in training camp with these guys they're failing up you know they're 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 trying they're 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 learning on the fly and especially against two of the better receivers in the league doesn't get much better than that and
0: the wild card in all of this of course is trey brown because he's still on the pup list And as well as he played last year if he's fully healthy and he comes back in the near future You're going to throw him right into the fire too. So another really good young corner that plays with physicality, has good ball skills, can tackle, and he's going to want to get back into the starting lineup. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of really intriguing young guys competing, and this is far from decided. There's going to be a lot of practices where you're going to have a number of these guys jockeying for position, and it's going to be a tough call for Pete Carroll and his coaching staff once they get to the start of the regular season. Who's going to start in week one? against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Yesterday, we talked about the physicality and the run game highlighted in Wednesday's practice, but a lot of other things happened on the practice field as well. We're going to continue looking at some takeaways from Seattle's sixth practice coming up here in a moment. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, I made a difficult decision to resign from a job. fortunately, I had quality people around me to talk things through. When I needed it most and helped me make the right decision for myself and my family, but that's not always the case and life can be full of twists and turns. So it's important to show yourself through it all better help. Online therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. Available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. BetterHelp has a special offer, has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com locked on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at better help dot locked on. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or in video form five days a week on YouTube. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to make the Locked on NFL podcast your second listen. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league, throughout the training camp and preseason. Make sure to check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. The Seahawks were back in the practice field yesterday, their sixth practice, second in pads. And as Rob Rang and I noted yesterday, really what stood out most was the physicality and the intensity in this practice session. Guys were getting after it. The Seahawks were doing a lot of short yardage drills in the run game. Physicality up front with the offensive and defensive lines safeties coming up and laying hit sticks, all kinds of fun stuff. But there was more to it than just the running game. So, Nick, let's dive into a few other hot topics coming out of Wednesday's practice. And we've got to start, of course, with the quarterback position and kind of stemming off that. I think this is a big topic of discussion because for this team to be successful offensively, more so than in the past with Russell Wilson when they could get all those 40, 50-yard chunk play touchdowns, You're going to be harder pressed to do that with Drew Locke or Geno Smith under center. You're going to have to be productive in the red zone. And yet that has been far from the case so far. In fact, we're now on four straight practices that their first session in red zone, there have been no passing touchdowns by either Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Four consecutive practices with the football inside the 20-yard line, and they haven't been able to get any scoring passes in those sessions. Again, that's just the first session they come back to it later on and the quarterbacks have been a bit more successful. But it's been really hard to watch. And I guess the big question is, is that boiling down mostly to the offense or does it boil down to the defense? You just talk about how great the corners are playing. A lot of that's been in the red zone too, getting their hands on the football and making life tough on receivers. And so that's really the million-dollar question here. Who's to blame for these struggles? And is it necessarily a bad omen considering how well the defense is played?
1: Well, I think in training camp, uh, the NFL version of the chicken or the egg, which came first is, you know, offense struggles. Is it because the offense sucks or is it because the defense is doing good? And obviously the the, the answer is, unfortunately, I know everyone hates that, but it's probably something middle. Um, I'll side on the the defense. um, If I had to pick a side, defense is playing well. The corners have really made life miserable for the receivers. Um, On the offensive side, I've read a concerning amount about goal line fades, and that is becoming one of my pet peeves in football. Is the goal line fade? Um, and, and I know you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are two of the best in the business. I read an article um, uh, before the 2020 season, so it's a bit dated. That uh, in 2019, quarterbacks uh, attempted 37 fades of five yards or less in
0: 2019,
1: and that uh, it, it was down from 42 and 51. So it's uh, in the years prior. prior. But the uh, success rates of fades was at 13.5%. <laughs> so uh, and that's with your average quarterback and your average receivers. The, the Seahawks have below average quarterbacks right now and above average receivers, so I guess that maybe evens out. But my point is, um, I, I really I'm hoping that they can get a bit more creative in the Red Zone. Um, the Seahawks were third in the NFL last year. And red zone percentage, or red zone conversion rate, which is very impressive. Obviously, it helps to have Russell Wilson throwing to guys like Metcalf and Lockett. Um, and this year, they have the weapons. They have the Locketts, the Metcalfs, the Noah Fants. You know, they they have those weapons. And in the backfield, they have running backs. I expect you know that the, them to have pretty decent red zone numbers right now. But I think if I had to pick one, it'd be the defense making life miserable. Um, but I, based on I haven't been to practice yet, but based on what I've read and what I've watched, um, it's it's uh, There needs to be a bit more creativity and certainly a lot of uh, better execution on the offensive side.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think they're doing way too much of the red zone fade stuff. And I know with DK Metcalf that he should be a weapon in that regard. But the quarterbacks, both of them, have struggled to get the ball. Really, the timing with Metcalf in general just hasn't been there. I expect that's going to get much better in upcoming practices. Metcalf's way too good of a receiver for that to continue to be a problem. The quarterbacks are going to figure him out. Gino should know him really well from how well they played last year. Locke, you know, it, he's still pretty new with DK Metcalf. So you expect that, but you'd like to see more variety with how they're attacking the defense. But a lot of it has been those guys on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they're making life really tough for receivers. They can't create separation. The corners are getting their hands on the football. The linebackers are playing tight coverage. Jamal Adams has been all over the place the last couple practices in the red zone. I mean, there are already very tight windows to begin with. And the way that this secondary is playing and the pressure they're generating, these red zone drills have been with extra pressure brought almost every time. They're bringing five, six defenders. So the quarterbacks are having to make quick decisions on top of that. And so I do think the way that the defense have been playing and the scenario, having extra pressure is complicating it some for the quarterbacks, but they're going to have to pick it up. I mean, four practices in a row, not having a passing touchdown, that's certainly a problem. But if you're looking for a positive at the quarterback position up to Wednesday, there really hadn't been any big splash plays in the passing game. That changed some on Wednesday in early sessions in the team drills. You saw Drew Locke chuck a ball downfield. Down the right sideline, Bo Melton, who's been so quiet the first week of his NFL career, reeled it in, had a really nice catch downfield, a 40-plus yard gain. Geno Smith connected on a 30-yard crossing route with Tyler Lockett. DJ Dallas caught a pass down the seam out of the backfield for a 25-yard touchdown. So there were actually some splash plays, and the quarterbacks were connecting on. There were some missed opportunities Marquise Goodwin ran maybe the wrong route. Drew Locke overthrew him. It got intercepted by Michael Jackson on a deep ball. But there was a lot more consistency and a lot more production there. That is good news because with the receivers you have and the mindset this offense is going to have. You know that Pete Carroll, once those shot plays mixed in there, they haven't been there on the practice field. Wednesday, that changed some. Maybe that's a good sign that both quarterbacks are starting to get into a little bit of a groove, and we'll start to see more plays like that in the practice field as we get closer to the first preseason game and move through training camp.
1: Yeah, and I got to say, Drew Locke has, has got his sea legs a bit more under him. He he had a real rough start to camp, um, and now he's, he, it seems like he's making a bit more uh, of some impact plays and, and making some throws because he failed QB 101 class in that first day <laughs> when he threw across his body across the field. Um, at ill-advised pass in day one of camp, and it, it's, he's gotten much better since then. I'm not saying that you know he's right on Geno Smith, and Geno Smith better watch out; it's, he's going to lose his job at any second. Um, but he's he's come a long way in, in, the, in the last few days. Um, for me, on on the defensive side, I know you're really excited about this guy, Tyreek Smith. I, I think has a chance to be another sneaky good pick late in the draft. That has a chance to really uh, shine and, uh, and and make a name for himself early, and maybe not early on, but you know, maybe be a, a quiet guy that gets a few sacks, but he, he's he's starting to make a name for himself and it beats some blocks and and makes some plays. And as much as pass rushers can make plays in, in, in training camp, but he he certainly is a, a name to watch.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting about him, and we talked about this in the pre-draft process, injuries were a problem at Ohio State for him. And he played through some injuries and he was stuck behind, you know, some guys named Chase Young and Nick Bosa. I think they're decent NFL players. So trying to get on the field was already tough for him early in his career. And then once he was a starter, he had some injuries on top of it. But this guy had a 22 plus percent pressure rate last year. At Ohio State even though the sack numbers weren't there he was consistently disruptive when he was on the field and I'm seeing that these first couple of practices He's been out there we have to remember he was on the pup list until Monday's practice and they threw him right into the padded practices coming off that hip injury he's fully healthy and he doesn't look like a 4 40-yard dash guy this guy is explosive he plays with a relentless motor He's had success against Forsyth. He had a pressure against Charles Cross in Wednesday's practice. So he's had four pressures that I've seen. There may have been others in there. I can't see every single player on the practice field at every snap. And I don't have the video to review. But the ones that I've documented, he's been getting back there. And I think he would have had a couple of sacks in real game situations. He has been extremely disruptive. And you can tell the coaching staff is excited about him because he's been getting some reps already where he's getting to play with the first team and he's only gotten a couple practices under his belt so as a fifth round pick that's kind of a big deal especially with Boye Mafe being a second round selection you've got Daryl Taylor you have Uchenna Nuosu, so there's a lot to like about this kid his biggest enemy was his durability and so he's got to stay healthy but if you can keep him on the field I think the player that should be looking over his back right now if he's not already been bypassed is Alton Robinson And I said this going into camp. I don't know that he's a natural fit as that 3-4 outside linebacker. Tyreek Smith played a 4-3 defensive end at Ohio State, so I had questions there. But he looks like he's pretty comfortable in that role right now for the Seahawks. It's been a couple of practices. It's early. But again, another rookie that's already showing some signs that he could be a dynamic rotational player for the Seahawks. And they can use any pass rushing help that they can get. Any team wants as many rushers as they can possibly
1: find. 100%. 100%. You know, it's like pitching in baseball. You, you can never have too much pass rush. Yep. Um. And, and to bring up the last point with, with training camp, to quote uh, Ryan Gosling from Remember the Titans, fight! <laughs> There's a fight, and it seems like I, I've read, again, I haven't been to practice, but I, it seems like I read about a fight now just about every single day of Seahawks camp. Corbin, what in the name of WWE is going on out there?
0: Well, the first couple ones that happened, and Rob and I talked about it earlier this week, uh, DK Metcalf, I still believe that his issue is that Artie Burns is under his skin. Artie Burns has figured out <laughs> something to defend him. He played well against him in that game last year with the Bears in Week 16 in the snow, shut Metcalf down. He has been really winning most of the snaps one-on-one and in team situations against Metcalf in training camp so far. So Metcalf was frustrated. He's been frustrated about the quarterback inability to get in the ball too, regardless of who is across from him. Um, So a lot of that has already started to boil over a little bit. So he and Daryl Taylor got in and Daryl Taylor is just a different dude this year. And I love it. I love how aggressive he is. And he just, you know, it's not just the way he's playing. He's running his mouth a bit more. He's just playing more energized, more confident And so he hasn't been backing down. And he got into a little bit of a tussle with Metcalf in Wednesday's practice, and they had to hold him back. So he doesn't care DK Metcalf is built like a Mandalorian. He's he's not going to back down. But the big fight on Wednesday, and Rob and I, we recorded yesterday's show, and we're like, wait, why didn't we mention this as part of the physicality? We just ran low on time in our first segment. But DJ Dallas, to me, was the MVP in yesterday's practice, and yet he got ejected from that practice in the closing about 15 minutes because his former Miami teammate, his current uh, running back teammate, Travis Homer, drew locks, throwing the football to him. He's under pressure. And it was one of those unfortunate plays that you just can't get out of football completely. The receiver is going down towards the ground. His, His helmet, the crown of his helmet's going down to catch the football. The defender's not doing anything malicious, but Bubba Bolden, the undrafted rookie safety is coming in, looking to make a statement. He's trying to impress And he blasts Travis Homer helmet to helmet, and it stirred up a number of teammates. A number of them got into Bubba Bolden's face. He turned around, and here comes DJ Dallas, and he blindsides Bubba Bolden, knocks him to the ground, and it didn't take very long that a coach was escorting DJ Dallas into the facility. His practice was over with. And so this kind of stuff is going to happen. It's training camp. These guys get tired of hitting each other, especially a physical practice like that emotions are always running high and so you expect there to be tussles i think that's a good thing when you're trying to hold guys back to an extent there does come a time where it's like look we need to play football stop fighting do your job what dj dallas did cross that line though you don't want to blindside teammates and i just found it ironic that it was all miami hurricane alumni i mean they they were creating a hurricane on the practice field and so uh, yeah, you know, we can sit here and smile about it, but you don't want to see a guy blindsided a teammate. And I don't think there was anything malicious from Bubba Bolden. He was just trying to make a play as an undrafted rookie, and it was one of those where the receiver was torqued into a, an a unfortunate body position, led to the helmet to helmet. So
1: that's what leads to a fight. Yeah, you don't want to see stuff like that. But, you know, if anyone's watched the 30 for 30 special in the U, that's pretty on brand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for you. It um, really did. I was waiting for Jimmy Jonathan to come out clapping his hands.
1: <laughs> Where's Warren Sapp? Uh, anyway, so yeah, to a certain extent, you want it. You like it because it, it creates that heated competition. You know, these are alpha dog kind of guys. They're they're getting into it, and they're just chomping at the bit to hit a different colored jersey. And they're finally going to get that opportunity – or not finally. they still got to wait a little bit to get that opportunity – um, but you can just tell that they're just sick of hitting each other and it, it's get, starting to get under their skin. But to a certain extent, you'll like it just because it's it's get, it's they're revving the engines. The engines are getting hot and we're only just a, a, just over a week away from the first preseason game and just over a month away from the first game. So uh, it, it's right around the corner, man.
0: It really is. We're going to be to week one before we know it. In fact, we've got a mock scrimmage coming up at Lumen Field on Saturday afternoon. So the first game action to an extent for the Seahawks. And coming up on our Blue Friday episode, we're going to be previewing that mock scrimmage game, looking at some key storylines, what we're going to be watching on the game field. It's a practice, but yet it's got some game feel to it. A really important part of the preseason for the Seahawks leading up to the 2022 campaign. So we'll be breaking all that down and of course, answering your mailbag questions, our weekly mailbag. Many of you have been sending them in. We're looking forward to answering those questions as well. It's going to be a jam packed episode. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL and following Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple podcast, Google podcast and Spotify, as well as five days a week on YouTube. We'll be back for blue Friday, breaking down some key factors to watch in the upcoming Mock scrimmage at Lumen Field. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.